welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Let's, let's look at a very familiar scripture. Go to the book of Revelation. Don't get excited about that. We're, uh, we're not going to preach there. I just told you to go there because you know where it is. It's, it's easy for you to find. And when you get there, if you found it, when you get there, turn left. And go all the way through the whole book of Jude, all 14 verses. And get to 3 John and stop. And if you get to 2 John or 1 John, you, you went too far. Now, my, my Bible's different than yours. I mean, seriously. Because my Bible was just falling apart. Some of you have seen it and commented on it, but it was just falling apart. They say if your Bible's falling apart, it's a good sign you're not. And, and so I've had several people uh, want to bind it for me, and I said, no. But I've got a dear friend, a pastor lady down in Conroe, Texas, Sue Lanza. Her husband was a dear friend of mine, and he went to heaven. And uh, she just stayed on me about this, and she said, there's a great book binding place in Houston. Let me, let me have your Bible rebound. I said, no, no, no. And so she kept on me, and so I thought, it's all right. So, I got my Bible back, and, uh, and it's different than yours. Because mine, mine says Revelation, the book of Revelation, and then it says the second epistle of John. And then it says the, the general epistle of Jude, and the third epistle of John. And then you get the first John. I did this one day in her church, and I said, Sue, do you see this? She, she was horrified. She said, let me take it back. I said, it's fine. I know where it is. I, I... What would you say? Yeah, they did. They, they got lost somewhere. But, but third John... Well, you'd think so. You'd think so. This is right here the third epistle of John. Epistle means letter. I used to think it was epistle was a wife and apostle, but that's not true. The epistles, which is the New Testament, you've got the Gospels of Jesus, then you've got the book of Acts about the church, then you've got the epistles. And the epistles are just great missionary statesmen, Peter, James, Paul, John, missionaries, everyone, Great missionary statesmen writing missions letters to mission churches they started. Yeah. So it is. It's just letters from these great missionaries that started the church at Corinth and started the church at Rome and started the church at, you know, at Philippi. And, and, you know, and so that, that's what this is. It's a book of letters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, we've got the first, second, and third epistle of John. And yet I'm sure John wrote a lot more letters than that. Right? Yeah. 
we've got James, we've got Paul writing a letter, but, and I'm sure they wrote hundreds of letters. But some of them, the Holy Ghost said, you know what, this should be for everybody forever. He looked way down into 2023 into Ponder, Texas and says, you know, this, this is what they need. This will work for them. Right? And so it's real special when we see one of these books in the Bible realizing that these apostles, these missionaries, these anointed men of God, apostles of the Lamb we call them, the original 12, right? When they wrote a letter, uh, and again, I think they wrote hundreds, but the Holy Ghost picked several of them. He, he cherry-picked. And he said, this needs to be for everybody. And some of them were just personal letters to churches saying you need to straighten up and do this and do that and have the church do this and have the church do that. But then some of them were just admonitions from the Holy Ghost saying this needs to happen. Are y'all here? And so what we have here in the third epistle of John is we've got, we've got John being over 90 years old when he wrote this. Now I don't know if that does anything for you or not, but it does volumes for me. And when I was a teenager in church and realized that John was over 90 years old when he wrote this, I, it really changed my opinion, Kathy Joe, of what he had to say. This isn't some 17-year-old kid fresh out of snotty nose, fresh out of Bible school that thinks he knows something. This is John, right? In his 90s, one of the apostles of the Lamb. These guys were all martyred for their faith. Except John. Now they tried to martyr him. They boiled him in oil. And he just said, oh, it's a nice hot oil bath. Man, this feels good. Now I heard a preacher on, on radio just not very long ago. I was driving down the road from 99. A preacher on radio was talking, talking about John. And he said, he said, you know, John was boiled in oil and was just horrible to be disfigured all of his life. I, boy, I'm yelling at the radio and slapping at the deal. You know. No, 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 no. He, he, he wouldn't boil. And so they, because that wouldn't work, they exiled him to this horrible little island of Patmos and uh, gave him a sentence to stay there so many years. And while he was there, he wrote this little book called Revelation, right? And then when he got finished his sentence, then he went home. And he's the only one of the apostles of the Lamb, the only one of the twelve, that, that actually lived to a full old age and end of his life, enjoyed his ministry and his wife and his kids and grandkids and whatever, all those years. And so John's got something to say. So anytime I read John, I say, whoa. I mean, he knew Jesus personally, right? He knew some whippersnapper by the name of Paul that got saved, went in the ministry, had a miracle or two. He knew James and Peter and all these guys. I mean, this is John. Right? I don't have any of y'all old enough to remember this. There used to be a commercial on television about a, an insurance company or an investment broker or something called E.F. Hutton. And the commercial said, when E.F. Hutton speaks, then the whole set just goes quiet. Because evidently E.F. Hutton had something to say. That everybody wanted to hear. Well, that's the way I feel about John. When somebody says, turn to, turn to the third epistle of John, I go, I want to hear what this guy has to say. This guy knew some stuff. Right? Amen? You know, um, Norman Schwarzkopf, General Norman Schwarzkopf, was in, uh, was in Vietnam and, uh, as a young soldier. 
And when Vietnam was over, he was very unhappy with that, as we all were. And uh, he, he said, you know, we, 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 we won World War One, And we won World War Two, And he said, and we lost Vietnam. That's, that, that's hard on a soldier. That's hard on an American. It's hard on me. Still is. And our government wouldn't let it win it, but I won't go into that. And, uh, you know, we tied Korea. <laughs> right? We split, drew a line in Korea and said, okay, y'all take that part, we'll take this part. And then we had the Gulf War. And by this time, Norman Schwarzkopf is a general and is in charge and is the head guy. And they called him Stormin' Norman. And so when Saddam Hussein went into Kuwait and took over Kuwait and they appealed to the U.S. for help, President George Bush Sr. sent Norman Norman to the Gulf and kicked Saddam back to Baghdad and won that thing in 100 hours. Most of us thought, well, he should have just gone on in and finished it up. But, you know, nevertheless, politicians are usually cowards. And so they called him off after after 100 hours. And so then he wrote in his own bio, in, in his autobiography, he wrote this. He said, he said, we won World War I, we won World War II, we lost Vietnam, we tied Korea, and he said, and we won the Gulf War, and I'm getting out on top. He said, we've got this president coming in, talking about Bill Clinton, that's going to bring homosexuals into the military, and it's going to go downhill again. He said, right now, we're on the top, and I'm never going to be in the military in a, in a losing or tying situation again, so I'm going out while we're on top. And I mean, we were on top. Y'all remember, remember back then? If you don't remember anything else, just remember Whitney Houston singing the Star Spangled Banner in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, America was patriotic. We had, we had just gone and gotten rid of Saddam Hussein and won the war in 100 hours. Right? Now, you know, during Vietnam, they spit on us. And nobody ever had the guts to spit on me. I don't, somebody asked me one, several times, they said, would you have turned the other cheek? I said, I don't know. Why don't you try it and see? <laughs> just, 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 just get you a big mouthful and let's see what happens. But, you know, um, America treated the military really badly during those days. I mean, really badly. But, right, but then after the Gulf War, I tell you what, it, it was a different world. Right? So what's your point, Terry? My point is this. When he retired, then he made all kinds of money from speaking engagements. I mean, CBS called him in. Everybody called him in as a consultant. Uh, he'd speak at universities. He'd speak everywhere. And when he'd walk in, I mean, when Norman Schwarzkopf speaks, everybody listens. Right? Because we, we want to hear from a success. And then there was a time when, when Chrysler Motor Company was bleeding red ink and dying dead. And there's no hope. It was going down the, down the drain. And so Chrysler went over to Ford and hired a guy by the name of Lee Iacocca and brought Mr. Iacocca over to Chrysler. And it's an American success story. I mean, he turned that thing around and put it in the black and put it on top and then retired. And when he did, he made all kinds of money till the day he died or retired. I don't know which. And, and I mean, because they wanted to hear him. He'd go into universities and go into all kinds of business meetings and business places and speak and get all kinds of money for it because people want to hear somebody that's been there, done that, and won. Yeah. 
Everybody's got an opinion. We don't want to hear everybody's opinion. We want somebody who's been there and done that and knows what they're talking about and, and could do it again. Well, see, that's how I feel about John. I feel about John just as much as Storman Norman or Mr. Iacocca or anybody else, E.F. Hutton, whoever he is. Because when John wrote this letter, he, he really had something to say from the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? I know I'm belaboring the point, but I'm doing it on purpose. I want you to get this and feel about it the way I feel about it. And it's 14 verses long. But John didn't intend for it to be 14 verses long. He only intended for it to be a letter, a little missive, we used to call it. Folks my, folks my age don't know what a missive is. Your kids don't know what it is. It's just a note. And uh, he intended to write to the local church and tell them that he was going to come see them. And then when he got there, he realized there's a really bad guy in the church named Diotrephes. And he said, I'm going to yank the slack out of him when I get there. And I bet that old apostle did too. And then there's a good guy in the church named Demetrius. And he said, yeah, he's a good guy. And so, so I, I had lots of things to talk to you about. But I, I'll not do it with pen and ink. I'll, I'll, I'll see you soon face to face and uh, salute the friends by name. Love your big brother John. That's what he intended to write. So he took that quill in hand and dipped it in ink. And when he did, the Holy Ghost got on him. And he wrote verse 1 through 8, which was for us in 2023. And then verse 9 to 14 was to the local church, which is what he intended to do when he picked the pen up. Okay? So, so and, and, and I'll prove that to you. I don't want you to just take my word for it. But let's start at verse 9, and then we'll, we'll do this backwards. We'll go 9 to 14, and then go back 1 to 8. He said, I, I just am reading this from 9 to 14 just to show you that what I just told you is right. Uh, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, that's the bad guy, loves to have preeminence among them, and he receives us not. Can you imagine somebody in the church not receiving the apostle John? He receives us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. And I bet he did. <laughs> Pratting against us with malicious words. And he wasn't even content with that. He, he doesn't himself receive the brethren. And he forbids them that would receive the brethren and kicks them out of the church. This is a bad guy. Now, if you have adotrophies in your church, kick him out. There's no redemption. There's no help. That's right. There's no hope. That's right. This is not a sheep. This is not even a goat. Right. This is a wolf. Right? right? And we, we don't want a wolf in the congregation. We'll take the sheep. We'll take even the goats. Don't have a problem with goats. They're, they're, they're ornery old folks. They're not going to do what the pastor says, but at least they'll come in there and, you know, and they'll be a part and praise and, and, and give and, and be a part of the church. So I can put up with some goats, but I can't put up with a wolf. And that's what John said. He said he doesn't, he won't even receive us. And not only will he not receive us, he won't let the church receive us. And if anybody in the church does receive us, he kicks them out of the church. He said, I'll remember him when I get there. I'd like to have seen that. I hope there's a video of it. <laughs> and then he said, now, now, beloved, 
follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil has not seen God. Now that, that's good for all of us. That's the one verse in these, in these verses that's for everybody. Then he goes right back to the local church again. He says, now, now uh, Demetrius, that's a good guy. Demetrius has a good report of all men. And of the truth itself. Now when guys in the Bible, this caliber of men, when they use the word truth, Kathy Joe, they're, they're not talking about tell the truth. They're talking about the word of God. Yeah. Jesus said in John 17, Father, thy word is truth. Amen. Thy word is truth. So when they use the word truth, when Jesus uses the word truth, when any of these guys use the word truth, they're talking about the Bible, they're talking about the word. Capital T. Capital T, Renee's input is. And uh, he said, uh, so he has, he has uh, 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 of the truth itself, and yea, also we bear record, and you know that our record is true. Now I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write to thee. I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Love your big brother. John, just a letter to the church. Talking about a bad guy and a good guy. And saying, I'll, I'll, I'll get there soon. But we back up now to verse 1. And this is where the Holy Ghost got on him at. And, and, and wrote for all of us in 2020, 2023. And he said, the elder to the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the what? In the truth, in the word. Beloved. Now, if he says beloved, is he talking to Christians or sinners? Christians. He's talking to Christians. Anytime I ask you a question, by the way, I'm not trying to trick you. I never ask gotcha questions. I never ask trick questions. If I ask you a question, I know that you know the answer. I'm not trying to say, ha, ah, that's not right. No. <laughs> I know preachers that do that. And he said, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish. Now, wish isn't a Bible word. If you look in the margin, it says prayer desire. This is not Aladdin's lamp. You don't rub the Bible and get a genie and get three wishes, okay? You never wish to God. I wish God. No, well, forget that. It isn't going to happen. He says, I pray or I desire above all, A-W-L, all, longest word in the Bible, all, I wish above everything else. Now when a 90-year-old says, I wish above everything, that's different. We, we've, got, we've got three little granddaughters that are eight, four, and eight, six, and four, and, and when they say above everything else, we don't pay much attention. They don't have much experience. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. You know, they're thinking popsicles and, you know, candy, right? But when a 90-plus-year-old apostle of God, at the end of his life, in the end of his ministry, makes the statement, I pray, I desire above everything else. Boy, that got my attention. Amen. I'll never forget sitting in church in Midland, Texas as a teenager, and I read that and said, oh. John, above everything, you're 90-something years old, above everything else? Really? Above every, if you can just say one thing, just one, just one secret, just one? Well, what is it? He says that, I, that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Wow. I remember sitting there in the pew saying to John, saying, John, seriously? Seriously? Y that's it? That's all you got? Something is carnal? 
Here you are, John, the apostle, 90-something years old, been bored in all and exiled to Patmos, and, and you say something as carnal as you want me to be healthy and prosperous? That's all you got? I thought you'd say something spiritual. Right. Like above everything else, I want you to build a church. Above everything else, build a Bible school. Above everything else, pray in tongues. He didn't say that. He said something as carnal as, if I could just tell you one thing. Above everything else, I want you to prosper. Ken, above everything else, I want you to prosper and I want you to be healthy. And I sat there reading this as a kid. I sat there in my church and I said, I said, why? Why? Why, John? What's it to you? What's it to you? What do you care? What difference does it make in the price of eggs in China if I'm prosperous or healthy or not? What do you care? Why is that a big deal? Why is that even in the Bible? What difference does it make? And then I sat there and I thought, well, you know what? This is, this is God breathed by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says all, A-double-L, all Scripture. All Scripture, every bit of it, all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is saying, I, the Holy Ghost, above everything else, Daryl Baker, want you to prosper and be in health. And I said the same thing. I said, why, Holy Spirit? Why is that a big deal? Why would you say something so carnal? I would think you'd say something spiritual to the church. Really? Above everything else, that's all you got? You want me to prosper and be healthy? And, and I was in a Pentecostal church. Nobody believed in prosperity. <laughs> I'd never heard anybody in church say we could be prosperous ever. And uh, they loved God with all their heart. You know, good foundation, good doctrine. I'm, I thank God for my foundation, my doctrine. Man, nobody ever talked about you being prosperous. And very few about being healthy. <laughs> they believed in healing, they just didn't get it much. That's right. That's right. And then I went a little bit further and I said, I said, well, this is the word of God. We say this is God's book. This is God's word. This is God's will. This is God's testament. His, his will and testament. His Old Testament. His New Testament. This is the word of God. So God, you're saying? I said, John's in his 90s. The Holy Ghost is older than that. And you're really old. I mean, God's older than dirt. He built dirt. He said, dirt be and dirt was, right? And, and you say above everything else, he's talking to you. Y'all get this. Above everything else, God is saying, the Holy Ghost is saying, John is saying, above everything else, the most important thing ever, if I could just say one thing, is prosper and be healthy. And I said the same thing. Why, Holy Spirit? Why, God? Why, why do you care? What difference does it make in your plan and your purposes if I'm prosperous and healthy or not? Why is that a big deal? I can't imagine you put that at the end of the Bible, the end of John's life, the end of his ministry, the end of the Bible. I literally, Tina did like this to God, sitting there in that pew. I said, have you ever read this? <laughs> I said, there's some good stuff in here, and yet at the back, you say now above everything else. 
I said, there's some good stuff in here. <laughs> but at the back, you say, now above everything else? What do you mean above everything? Above all this other stuff? Well, I want you to prosper. And I want you to be in health even as your soul prospers. So I went one step further. I said, well, the devil, remember the devil? The devil wants the opposite of what God wants. So if the devil were writing this, he'd say, I, the devil, he wouldn't call you beloved. He'd call you despised. He hates you. He'd say, I want you above everything else to be what? Poor and sick. Above everything else, I, Beelzebub, I, Lucifer, I, the devil, want you to be poverty-stricken and bedridden sick and die. Yeah, that's right. And I said the same thing to him. I said, why? Why, devil? What difference is it? Terry Mize, some 16-year-old kid sitting here in the church in Midland, Texas. What's it to you if I'm sick or poor? Are healthier, well, healthier, are wealthy. What difference does it make? What possible difference? Why is that such a big deal? See, I call that doctrine of devils. Yeah. If you ever hear a preacher preaching, God wants you sick and poor, you go tell him, Terry, mine said that's doctrine of devils and give him my address. Because it makes me mad. God wants me sick. God wants me poor, really? I don't think so. I don't think so. These scriptures right here, Kathy Joe, is one thing that got me to go to the world and pray for sick people. Because I said they deserve healing because of what Jesus did and because of what the Holy Ghost said that above everything else, he wants them healthy. Above everything else, God wants you healthy. The devil wants you sick. God wants you prosperous. The devil wants you poor. I've preached this message all over. I've had people come to me time and time and time and time again. Even since Renee and I've been married, she's had people come up, she's seen people come to me and say, I have never in my life liked a prosperity message until tonight. Or I've never in my life understood a prosperity message until tonight. Because there's a purpose in it. It's not the charismatic cult of Cadillacs, condominiums, and cruisers. Nothing wrong with Cadillacs, nothing wrong with condominiums, nothing wrong with cruisers. But you can sure get overbalanced with it. And you can get into materialism as opposed to prosperity. And there's a difference in materialism and prosperity. Most preachers that you hear preach on prosperity uh, don't really know anything about it at all. They just know about materialism and know if they preach you the message, you'll give them some money. Now, that's not anybody in my group, anybody in our, in our circles and our fathers and that sort of thing. But, but there are people that just have, have said, hey, I, I, I've, learned, I, I've learned if I preach on that, they give me money. And they will. You know, Christians are nice people. They'll listen to somebody preach and you don't think they ought to do it. Well, um, there's a reason for it all. There's a purpose in it all. Amen? Amen. So let's look at it. The elder of the well-beloved guys whom I love in the truth. <laughs> but I, I, I wish, I pray, I desire above all things. 
above all things, above all things, above all things, above all, everybody say above all things. That you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth. Of the what? The truth. The word of God. So the brethren came, the Christians came and gave testimonies about the word of God that's in you even as you walk in the what? In the truth. In the word of God. Then verse 4. I've just always called verse 4 just a preacher's. Just a preacher's statement, just a parent, a parent's statement. Any any parent I know, any grandparent I know, any preacher and pastor I know would make the same statement. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the Word of God. Yes. Every parent would say that, every grandparent would say that, every pastor would say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth of the Word of God, right? Yes. Then verse 5, beloved, now if he starts saying beloved, he's talking to who? Church. Christians. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren. To the who? Brethren. The brethren, that's Christians. And to who? Strangers. Strangers. So who would that be? The world. Sinners. Right? So now in verse 5, you need to put bells and whistles and stars and lines and whatever you do in your Bible because that's the, that's the first answer. That's part one of a two-part answer. All right? There's a purpose for prosperity and health. It's so that you can do good to the brethren and do good to the stranger. All right? Then he goes on, verse 6, which have borne witness of your charity or your love or your generosity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on a dirt journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. Now verse 8 is the second part answer. of the, There's two, two parts here, verse 5 and verse 8. He says, so that we therefore might be fellow helpers, that we might receive such, and that we be fellow helpers to what? The truth or the word of God. And he's through. He's done. That's what the Holy Ghost had to say to us. And then he went right into the, that local church about the bad guy and the good guy and all that kind of stuff. But then verse 1 to verse 8 is what the Holy Ghost got on him to say to us. Amen. All right? He says, above everything else, I want you to prosper and I want you to be in health so that. Everybody say, so that. So that you can do good to the brethren. And so that you can do good to the stranger. And so that you can be a fellow helper to getting the truth out. Amen. Amen. Isn't that simple? That's it right there. Isn't that simple? See, this church, as all churches, uh, is not built for the stranger. We accept strangers in. Every now and then a stranger wanders in and gets saved and we rejoice over that. But that's not what this is for. This is built for the brethren. Right? It's built for the Christian, built for the church. And so when we build it, we put in nice padded chairs for long-winded preachers like me. <laughs> as short as churches preach these days, they ought to go back to hard wooden benches. But, you know, nice padded chairs, uh, the, the brethren appreciate those. And they cost what? Money. Big money. Right? We're in Texas. We want air conditioning. Right? We got not only air conditioning, we got ceiling fans. Who's that for? The brethren. What do they cost? Money. We got electricity. We got musical, in- we got sound systems. We got musical instruments. We, we, all this, the carpet, all this stuff. 
We got children's church. We got nursery stuff. We got, man, there's cabinets of candy back there and crackers and food and stuff. And, I mean, Brandy just goes nuts filling that candy to feed your kids all that stuff. And that all costs money. And it's all for the brethren. Right? There's nothing wrong with any of it. It's great. It's for the brethren. But it costs money. And John knew that. Right? Now, every time a pastor gets in a building program, do y'all know your pastor's in a building program? Yes. You know we're building a building out here? Yes. Yeah. See this deal over here? Oh, it's gone. Somebody got the building fund. <laughs> but there was a box over here a while ago that said building fund. And every time a pastor gets involved in a building fund, uh, I always have a love-hate relationship because it, it, sometimes it makes people glad and sometimes it makes them sad and sometimes it brings them to church, sometimes it runs them off from church. But uh, some dear old saint, every time, some dear precious old saint, man or woman, will come to the pastor and they'll say, Now, pastor, don't you know that the church is not brick and mortar? It's the people. <laughs> and they come tell me that. Only I'm not nice like he is. And I say, Yeah, but you're just not that spiritual. I know it's not brick and mortar. I know it's the people. It's just that you're not spiritual enough to go out here and sit in the field in Texas heat and in the rain and in the wind and in the snow and with the ants and with the bugs and with the mosquitoes and with all that other stuff and just say, praise the Lord, we're in church. No, you want the padded chairs and you want the carpet and you want the air conditioning and the, and the ceiling fans and the lights and you want all this stuff and nothing wrong with wanting that stuff. Right. But don't give me this nonsense about the church is not brick and mortar, it's the people. You, yeah, but the people want someplace nice to stay out of the sun and the weather. Right? And it cost money. What's the price on the building out here nowadays? I know, I know you had a price, then COVID came and it went up astronomically, and now it's come down a little bit. Well, the last I knew, which we haven't talked since some stuff has come down, it was up to five million for the whole budget. Yeah, and what two, three years ago, it was two and a half million or something. Right. You know, and, now, and COVID, all the building construction, million, which is not the building, that's just all infrastructure. In order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that cost money. Well, now when Renee and I got married. September next month we'll be married nine years. And uh, when we got married, she came to me several times because she's a wild woman. <laughs> and she likes business. She likes the whole concept of business. And so, therefore, it's easy to say, you run it. And so she'd come to me and she said, we got to have $25,000. Next week, we could have $15,000. We could have $10,000. We could have $5,000. We could have... We could have, we could have she wasn't, she you know, what, nagging me. She's telling me. We got to have... And, my, and, and, and the same answer I gave her, and still give her today, is the same answer I gave Jackie, my first wife, for 44 years, and the same answer I give to pastors and everybody else that comes to me about money. I say, God's got lots of money, and he shares with us. That's my standard answer. And I've proved it for 55 years. God's got lots of money. And he shares with us. God can build this building out here. Because he's got lots of money. Lots and lots and lots and lots of money. And he shares with us. You know, I used to always say this. I'd say, I wouldn't go to a church 
that wasn't in a building program or didn't have a need of money somewhere. Because if they're just sitting there and everything's paid and they got all this money in the bank, then they've lost their vision. You know, they need to be spending that money. Because there's the brethren and there's the strangers. And there's 8 billion people out there that need to be saved. And they're strangers and they're going to hell for eternity if we don't go interrupt them and get the gospel to them. But to do that, it costs money. Right? So we need to understand that, that, that the brethren cost money, doing things for the brethren. And then anything you do for the strangers, if you're going to do television, if you're going to do radio, if you're going to do uh, the internet, if you're going to do tracks, if you're going to do books, if you're going to do tapes, if you're going to do Polar Express. If you're all the, every year you guys do the Polar Express over here and, and affect the whole neighbor, I mean the surrounding area. And guess what? That costs money. money. Now y'all make it free to the folks, to the strangers. And you may get free to the brethren, but it's not free to you. It costs money. Putting that train out there and putting, getting that food and doing all that stuff y'all do and building the booths and doing the stuff, that all costs money. And physical labor. So if you're going to do the Polar Express, Kathy Joe, what do you have to have? Two things. Health. John said, above everything else, I want you to have two things. I want you to have health, and I want you to have money. Now, why did that old man say that? Why did that old apostle say that at the end of his life? Now, he can't change what God said. He can't say, I got a new idea. Forget what God said. Because in the Garden of Eden, the first thing God said to Adam and Eve was, multiply and be fruitful. Give me a family. That's what he wanted. That's the whole purpose of the whole deal. Well, they messed up, sold out to the devil, and so God destroyed God destroyed the whole place with I'm not gonna have to separate you girls. So so God so God destroyed the whole thing with water and told Noah to build a boat, and he's five hundred years old. That's a tough job for a five hundred year old guy, but every day, every day for a hundred years he's in his driveway building a boat. Right? Every day for a hundred years. His neighbor's going to work with their little lunch pail and there's Noah out there building Hey Noah, how you doing? I'm good. You still building that boat, huh? Yeah, I'm still building it. Why are you building it? Noah? Because it's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know. But God told me to build it. Well, what a God. Right? What a God. Faith always seems really stupid until it rains. Faith can seem like the dumbest thing that God ever said to you until. Yep. It's time. Yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden you say, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and time's up. Are y'all hearing me? Do you understand yep. what I'm talking to you about? I know I'm making this really simple, but sometimes we need it that way. I mean, I'm a missionary. I have to do this overseas to naked natives and, you know, and farmers. You know, Jesus preached to farmers and fishermen. And we try to make it today for rocket scientists, but it still works for farmers and fishermen. He talked about planting seed. Right? Reaping harvest. All that stuff still just as good as it was back then. Right? So John, so 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 they got in the boat. Moses was not a very good preacher. He's a good boat builder. He wasn't a good preacher. He's a good animal getter, but he wasn't a good preacher. And he used spiritual authority on those animals and said, get in the boat. Y'all do understand that, right? He did not have a net and go out and catch hippopotamuses and rhinoceroses and giraffes and elephants. He said, get in the boat. 
with spiritual authority, dominion God had given Adam. Right? And so they all got in a boat, only no people would get in. So he just told his wife, get in a boat, and he told his three boys and their wives, get in a boat. So Adab got in a boat. And the Bible says God shut the door. And what? And no man could open it. Don't you know it was a terror, horrible day, the day it started raining? Don't you know that people run to that boat and scratching until their fingers were bloody saying, Girls, let me in. It's your mother. Girl, let me in. It's your, it's your, it's your sister. Guys, hey, hey, it's your best friend. Hey, let me in. Let me in. Hey, let me in. And the Bible said God shut the door. And no man could open it. And so they were lost. And that day's coming again. That same day's coming. The day's coming where it's going to be too late. Amen. And all, all the heathen around the world can do, all the strangers around the world can do, is sing the, same, sing the same old sad song that they sang in Noah's day. They said in Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past, the summer's ended, and we're not saved. The harvest is past, the summer's ended, and we're not saved. So they were lost, right? So, after over a year, they come out of the boat. And they build an altar. And they take some animals and sacrifice them to God. I've had people actually come to me and say, Now, Brother Terry, they couldn't sacrifice those animals to God because they only had two. I said, What do you think those animals were doing for a year? (laughs) They had lots of animals. And they had animals to sacrifice. And so they did. They did a sacrifice. And so God said to them, same thing he said to Adam and Eve. He said, get your notepad, get your tape recorder. I'm going to tell you your reason for existence on planet Earth, your purpose for existence. Are you ready for this? Your vision. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah. He said, multiply and be fruitful. Same thing he said before the fall. He said, after the fall, the plan has never, ever changed. God wants a family. That's right. So then Jesus comes, born of a virgin, city of David, Bethlehem of Judea. Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again. And the last thing he said to his disciples, he said, now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, five times, he said, now get the gospel to the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But every creature, he believes baptized, shall be saved, he believes not, shall be damned. Damned to where? Hell. For how long? Eternity. Right? Five times he gave him the Great Commission. So he couldn't change what God said. God said, I want a family. To Adam and Eve, he said, I want a family to Noah. Only with the Old Testament, they just had to have uh, uh, marital relations and nine months later have a, a baby to give God a family. Where Jesus said, now you can have supernatural. I tell Jackie, this is real supernatural childbirth. She wrote a book, Supernatural Childbirth. I have 100,000 babies in a night, you know. Because now you can have men and women born again spiritually and uh, give God a family. So Jesus couldn't change that. He just said, now Gentiles can be saved. That's right. Yes. right? Yes. Thank God. Yeah, aren't you glad? Because yes. we're not a Jew. That's right. You're a Jew, you are automatically there. But now, Jesus said, Gentiles can be saved. Well, so when John's going to die now at the end of his life, 90-something years old, he can't change the rules. He can't say, well, forget that. I got something else to say. No. John's saying this. He's saying, now listen, guys. Well... I've learned something in my 90-some-odd years. Running around with Jesus, running around with Paul, running around with James and, and, and Peter and those guys. He said, I've learned something. If you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, if you're going to give God a family, if you're going to win the lost, if you're going to fulfill God's heart and His desire and His dream, 
it's going to cost you two things. You need to get health and you need to get money. Right? That's why he said, above everything else, I want you to prosper and be in health so that you can do good to the brethren. So that you can do good to the stranger. So that you can be fellow helper to getting this word out around the world. See, the more money you've got and the more health you've got, the more you can do for God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that if you're poor and sick, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. No, he loves you dearly. It just means you just can't do for God what you would like to do for him. You'd like to do more. I bet every one of us in this church here would like to just build a whole building and say, here, here, Pastor, here's the key. You know, well, why don't we? Because we don't have the money. Well, let's get it. Amen. Let's start believing God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Does that make sense to you? Yes. I came home one day to, to, to in Tulsa, to, and Jackie was there, and and, and and I walked in, and she's standing in the bar at the kitchen on, at the bar reading a letter and crying. Well, now I think immediately this is bad news. Somebody's died. Something something's bad wrong. She's reading a letter and she's crying. And so I went up there and I said, "Baby, what's wrong? What's wrong?" And yeah. She did what you women always do. Why do y'all do that? She said what? Nothing. Why? Why? You don't even know why you do it, do you? She said, nothing. I said, no, 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 no. What's wrong? You're reading a letter and you're crying. What's wrong? Nothing. Jackie, something's wrong. Who's the letter from? She said, Oral Roberts. I said, Oral? She said, yeah. I said, well, what's his problem? What's going on? What's the letter say? Oh, God's told you to build something out here, and he doesn't have the money to do it. And, 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 and I said, and you're crying about that? And she said, yeah. I said, well, why are you crying? She said, because I just wish we could build the whole thing. And I said, well, let's do it. And she said, we don't have that kind of money. I said, let's get it. That ought to be your attitude, Joshua. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Pastor, you want to build a building? Let's get it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We one mind, one accord. Right. Where to, Jesus Himself said, "Remember Jesus." Yes. Jesus said this. I think it's so cool. Some of the stuff Jesus said. I mean, I'm just amazed. The church doesn't get it. Jesus said, "If two of you on earth agree, now we're more than two, and we're on earth, right? We qualify. If we agree, maybe that's the problem. Are we agreeing?" Jesus said, if two of you on earth agree as touching one thing, I think it's just so slick he didn't just say it'll be done. No, he said this. He said, my Father in heaven will do it. You've got to be kidding me. Really? Well, then if we agree on this and on earth touching one thing, God, Jesus said the Father will do it. We better get our agreer working. We got the on earth part going. There's more than two of us. We got that going. So we need to get the agreeing going. Don't be going around saying, Pastor, not going to build that building. That's not going to happen. The economy's bad, and this is happening, and that's happening, and that's happening. The prices are high, and COVID made prices go up. Yeah, that's, not, that's just not going to happen. Well, bless Pastor's heart. No, we don't need those kind of folks. No, no, no. That's not agreeing. That's agreeing with the devil. Amen. So John said, look, I know a secret. 
I know we got to fulfill the Great Commission. That's our only, that's our only commandment we have is to get the gospel of the world. And to do that, you're going to have to have health. And to do that, you're going to have to have money. Amen? Amen. Amen. Isn't that simple? You deserve healing and health. Not just because God likes you. Right. Although he does. But so that you can do good to the brethren. And so you can do good to the stranger. And so you can be fellow helper to the church. Fellow helper. You got to have some money. Not just because God likes you, although he does. But so you can do good to the brethren and good to the stranger and be fellow helper to the truth. A fellow helper to the truth. Getting the word out. Getting the word out. Getting the word out. Getting the word out. Fellow helper. Amen. Amen. I remember back in the old days when we'd smuggle Bibles into Russia. I've smuggled, I've smuggled so many Bibles around the world. Now it's pretty much legal. You can just go in those countries and buy them, you know. But, uh, but back in the day, all communist countries have a central church that's, that's authorized by the government, state church. And they're the official recipient of whatever. And then they report to the government and it's full of spies and blah, 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 blah. Well, in Moscow back in those days when it was still the Soviet Union, and I'd sneak in there when it was still the Soviet Union, when it was still bad times. And, uh, and back in Moscow in those days, it was the First Baptist Church, was the official uh, state church and the recipient of, of anything American sent, any Bibles or anything American sent, went to that church. Okay? And so uh, one day I happened to be in St. Petersburg and then in Moscow and I was down in Ukraine. All of, it was all one big nation back in those days. And uh, so I was in Moscow and I thought, I'll go down to the Baptist church and just go to church on Sunday and see what it's like. It's the official state church. You know, even though I know I'm going to be seen and, you know, nobody's as good at surveillance as communists. They're, they are the best. And I've, I've, <laughs> I've played with them for decades in lots of countries and been followed and videos in my room and, well, never mind. It's crazy stuff. I mean, I just learned to get out of the shower and just wave, you know, in my hotel room. You know, <laughs> hey, guys. But uh, uh, I, I went to church this Sunday. Big, big church, big Baptist church. In fact, Billy Graham preached there when he was in, in Moscow. And... Uh, and so I went and, and sat through the church service, and, and uh, uh, the people were just everywhere. But when I walked in the back foyer, the back door, uh, there were cases of Bibles everywhere. I mean, just stacked to the ceiling, just boxes and boxes. I mean, you, I mean, the foyer was big and wide, but now it was narrow because they're just stacks and stacks and stacks. And then I walked to a little room, I opened the door, full of Bibles. I went to another room, opened the door, full of Bibles. I went to another room, full of Bibles. And Bibles everywhere. So this is really cool. But sitting in service, listening to this guy preach, the pastor preach, uh, a little babushka, a little grandmother, tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned around and said, da. And she said, Biblia. Same word as it is in Spanish, Bible. Biblia. And I said, I said, Biblia. And she said, da, da. And I said, you, 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 you don't have a Bible? She said, nit, nit. And I said, you want a Bible? She said, Da. And so somebody else didn't tap me and said, said, Biblia, Biblia, Biblia. And several more did that. And so after service was over, I, I went back to the pastor's office. And I knocked on the door and he told me to come in. I came in and introduced myself and sat down. He said, what can I do for you? He spoke very good English. And I said, sir, I just had a question. I said, uh, <clears throat> I, said I see all these Bibles everywhere. I said, you've got cases of Bibles all over the church in every room. He said, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and I said, I presume they're all from America. And he said, oh, yeah. 
And I said, I said, well, your people are tapping me on the shoulder and asking me for Bibles. Why don't they, why don't they have Bibles? How, how do they get Bibles? He said, my people don't need Bibles. They need to do what I tell them. And I said, excuse me? Boy, my Popeye spirit started to come out. You know. <laughs> he said, my people do not need Bibles. They need to do what I tell them. And I said, uh, I said, can I, can I ask you what you do with the Bibles if you don't let your people have them? He said, we sell them. I said, who do you sell them to if your people can't have them? Oh, we just sell them on the street and in stores and to people. And I said, and, and what do you sell them for? What are you doing with the money? He said, we're building buildings. And I said, sir, I said, you know, my, my pastor friends, I've got a bunch, uh, send Bibles over here all the time. I send Bibles. Other people send Bibles. People I don't know send Bibles. And I said, you know, for free. We don't charge you anything. He said, yeah. I said, do you know Americans would be very upset if they knew that you weren't letting your people have Bibles? He said, I don't care what Americans think. And I said, do you, do you realize that if you need buildings that, that we would help you build them? I could go back and raise funds and help you build buildings. You don't need to sell the Bibles. Won't you give them to your people so they can have the Word of God and the Word of life and learn how to be victorious and live a victorious life? They don't need Bibles. And I don't care what Americans think. Well, he and I had a few more choice words. And so I got up and left and I came home and I said, I'll never send another Bible officially through official channels ever again. And uh, so we started smoking Bibles through Latvia and uh, through, into Finland and from Finland to, to uh, I mean, into Norway and from Norway into, into Latvia and then Latvia into under the underground church into Russia and so on and so forth. And, and you know, the last, the last count I had, which was decades and decades ago, you know, we'd sent over a million Bibles to Russia. Well, that's the truth. We're getting the truth out. Right. Now that guy had boxes of the truth and wasn't getting it out. And so we, we sent so many Bibles, but it cost us what? Money. Money. We had to go buy those Bibles. We didn't get them for free. We had to, we had to pay for them. So whatever you're going to do for the gospel's sake, whatever you're going to do for the brethren, whatever you're going to do for the strangers, it's going to cost you money. And I, I got a little tip for you. It's going to cost you health. You need to be healthy. You know, when you get to where you're, you're incapacitated, then you can't do good to the brethren. I mean, you can still love them. You can still, you know, whatever, write checks or whatever. But, but you know what I'm talking about. The more healthy you are, the more prosperous you are, the more you can do for God. The, the, the more sick you are and the more poverty-stricken you are, the less you... You can't do for God what He wants you to do, and you can't do for God what you want to do. That's why I said our attitude ought to be, let's get it. Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. Are, are y'all 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 here? Yes. You get anything out of all this? Yes. Praise the Lord. I want you above everything else, everything else, to prosper and be healthy. To prosper and be healthy. So that. See, it's not just so that. We can have money. Not just so that we can buy this, that, or the other. Although that's all part of it and God doesn't mind. God doesn't ever mind you having things. He doesn't want you things to have you. You need to know where your needs end and your greeds begin. 
you know, I can go down to a mall and just walk in one end and, and, and all the way through the mall and all the way out the other and be amazed at all the stuff they got in there I don't need. But it all talks to me. Walking through the whole thing, it's all saying, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy three of me. You need a red one, you need a green one, you need a yellow one, you need one of these, you need one of these. But, you know, that's not true. There's just so much stuff I don't need. I mean, how many cars can you drive? You know, how many pairs of shoes can you wear? Don't ask Renee. I buy them. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm guilty. But she has a thing about them. I'm, I'm praying deliverance for her. I'm praying. I'm... When she left home as a 17-year-old girl, left Shreveport, Louisiana, and went to San Antonio, Texas to go to Bible school, International Bible College, how many pair of shoes did you take with you? Tell us. How many pair of shoes? Tell us how many pair of shoes you took. They would all gasp like I did. Tell us, Renee. Confess. Confession's good for the soul. I'm on my own. Well, I'll just make up a number then. Now, she took 56 or 52 pair of shoes with her to Bible school. She takes the same amount on every trip we take. That's not true. But how, how much stuff can we use? God didn't have care if you have stuff. He wants you to have stuff. He loves you. But I mean, I mean, you know, where do our needs end and our greeds begin? He wants us to be prosperous. He really does. He wants us to be healthy. But it's for a purpose. It's so that... We can do good to the brethren. It's so that we can do good to the stranger. It's so that we can be a fellow helper to the truth. Amen. You know, Paul tells us there in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, he says if we give right, if we act, do, do this right, if you're the sower that sows the, sows that has, you know, once you sow your seed, he said it becomes seed sown. And once you have seed sown and you're the sower, then it says that you'll be able to give to every good work. Wouldn't it be fun to be able to give to every good work? Wouldn't it be fun to walk in and, you know, pastor says, hey, we need to get a new this. And, you know, I, I got that. Well, we need to do this. Well, I got that. We need to do that. I got that. Amen. You know, we was back, we was back in the office earlier, and I, I, said, I said, pastor, do y'all, y'all do anything with backpacks and stuff? He said, oh, yeah, we did that last week. I said, Brandy's slipping. She didn't tell me. We love to get involved in stuff like that. You know, we, we want to know when stuff's going on. I said, I said, you got a food pantry? He said, oh, yeah, we got a food pantry. How come I didn't know? Man, folks are cheating me. I mean, we, we, we want to get involved in every good work. Amen. Amen. See, that ought to be your goal. I want to get involved in every good work. I'm going to do good to the brethren. I'm going to do good to the stranger. And I'm going to be a fellow helper to the truth. Amen. Amen. Now, let me say one other thing before I close. Uh, and that's this, because this causes great, great confusion. I mean, people get so confused about this. Christians get so confused about Third John because he makes this statement. He said, even as your soul prospers, that messes people up. And so many people say, well, Brother Terry, you know, when I get to the point where my soul's prospering, then I'll be able to, I'll be able to prosper and be healthy. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. 
it, it, as far as I know, and I've been a Christian a long time and studied the Bible a long time, but as far as I know, your soul can only have two conditions. It can be lost or saved. Right? You don't have 18 conditions your soul can be in. I mean, it can be lost and you go to hell. It can be saved and you go to heaven. So, y'all saved? Who saved? Y'all saved? Yeah. Well, then I present to you that your soul is prosperous. Right? Your soul's prosperous. But when he says, even as your soul prospers, that, that messes people up. It's just the English language. Just the English language. Um... When I, was a, when I was a freshman in high school, my English lit teacher had a real thing about, well, I mean, that's her job. She's English lit. And, uh, but she would get so bugged if we would say something like, uh, what if we'd say just like? He got one just like mine. And back in those days, you could have commercials on TV and in magazines about cigarettes. Remember that? Yeah. And I'll tell you how good this commercial was because it's been, what, 40, 50 years now, and you still remember it? You older folks my age still remember it? Winston tastes good. Isn't that amazing? Like a cigarette should. It's amazing how you remember that after 50 years. That's why advertising is the biggest business in the world. Based on Romans ten seventeen, that faith comes by hearing. Whatever you hear, you believe. And so that was a big commercial back in those days. Winston tastes good like a cigarette. That just drove my English lit teacher nuts. She'd say, that is not correct. It's not like a cigarette should. It's as a cigarette should. Okay. But I begin to apply that to this. Jesus said, they said, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. What does that mean? It means just like. We're Texans, we'd say just like. I want your will to be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Just like. So if you take this and say, I want you above everything else to prosper and be in health just like your soul prospers. Your soul's prospering, so the rest of you needs to catch up. You need to prosper and be healthy just like your soul is. Don't don't let that be a a, a religious thing or or, or some kind of a freaky church thing. Oh, I can't prosper in this month. No, no, that's not what he said. He said, look, your soul's prospering. Your soul's in good shape. Your soul's healthy. Your soul's prosperous. Your soul's great. Now I want you, the rest of you to catch up. I want your body to catch up. I want your finances to catch up. I want you to prosper and be healthy just like your soul is. Does that help? Amen. Well, it's 8.15. I guess I ought to quit. How many of you know I'm not near through? I mean, I'm no, nowhere near through. And this wasn't even where I was going. I was going to the part after this. But another, another day, another time. But I love this message because it's not a message. It's a lifestyle. 
It's a lifestyle that we can, hmm, excuse me. I'll just say that's the whole thing. Yeah, it, it's a lifestyle that we live on this planet in prosperity and not materialism. Don't be goofy and just go out here and, and you know, people paint all these different preachers as prosperity. I know a lot of guys they paint as a prosperity preacher. They're, they're not prosperity, they're materialists. You know, they're, they're materialistic. It's just gimme, gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you can gimme. Gimme, 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 gimme. Uh, and that's not prosperity. That's not what God's talking about. But you know what you hear Brother Copeland preach and what you hear your pastor preach, what you hear Mark Barkley preach, what you hear me preach, and what you hear these other guys uh, in, our, in our camp preach, Brother Hagin. You know, it, it is a balanced, serious, pure, holy, right word from God that God wants you to prosper. And it's not based on you giving to me. Most preachers go and preach on prosperity. They take an offering for themselves. I've never taken an offering for myself in 55 years. Never. Never in my whole life in ministry have I ever taken an offering. I've taken a lot of offerings for pastors and for orphans and for widows and for, uh, for disasters and for a bunch of other stuff. But I've never taken an offering for me. I get my money just like you're supposed to get your money. I pay tithes and give offerings and believe God. Amen. 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 And whenever I have pastors' conferences all over the world, I teach those third world pastors, I say, you've got to get your money like I get mine. You've got to pay tithes. <gasps> Brother Terry, no, we can't pay tithes. Yeah. You know? there's, there's hardly any pastor you'll ever find overseas in a third world nation that has ever preached one sermon on tithing ever because they're scared the people will leave. One year I was doing a, a Romanian pastor's conference and I'd been preaching all week long, Monday through Friday. Finally, at the last, the very, very last service, I preached on tithing. Very last, very end. I'm doing services daytime, morning, midday, night for a week. So I preached on tithing, hour and a half. And uh, when I finished, I said, Pastors, thank you for getting. I'm paying for everybody's everything. I'm paying for their hotel rooms. I'm paying for their food. I'm paying for their transportation. My budget is like forty, fifty thousand dollars for these, you know, three or four hundred gypsy pastors. And uh, and so I said, Pastors, thank you for coming. I'm so glad you came. It's been a delight to be with you this week. Blah 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 blah. blah. You know. So God bless you. And Pastor, come up here and, and pray and dismiss. So this pastor comes over there and takes a microphone. And I sit, went over here and sit down. And he said, Brother Terry, that was a wonderful message on tithing. Of course, it doesn't work here. That's an American gospel, and it doesn't work in Romania. And I got up, <laughs> and I took the microphone, and I said, sit down. And I preached on tithing for an hour and a half. In that time, I dismissed the service. And then I went out to eat with friends, and, and then went back to the hotel, and it's 2.30, 2.30 in the morning, I'm asleep in my hotel room. The phone rings. It's the hotel manager, Dr. Myers. I said, yes. He said, this is the manager. I said, yes, what can I do for you? He said, could you come to the lobby, please? I've got a ride on my hands. I said, I'll be right there. I got dressed and went downstairs. And there's about 15 or 20 of these pastors, these Romanian pastors. Still got their suits and ties on. <laughs> Red-eyed, man, they're blurry-eyed. And I mean, they're... Uh, Romanians kind of like Italians. Man, just, yeah. They're just fighting and yelling and hollering. And You get that, right? And... Uh, and so they've been fighting ever since church is over they've been fighting and so I said what are you guys doing it's 2.30 in the morning what are y'all doing and they said brother Terry teach us on tithing tell us what to do please I said I preached to you an hour and a half tonight on tithing then I preached to you an hour and a half on tithing again and they said I, we know but we didn't listen <laughs> we didn't believe it but now we can't go to bed. We can't go home. 
tell us what to do. I said, sit down. And so I preached again. And I tell you, they got it. Those guys built over 400 churches. They changed their life. They changed their churches. They changed, I mean, everything. Because of learning how to tithe and give and do what they could have learned the first time. But you know, you don't have to just keep lapping the mountain, but some people do. Some people just have to keep, you know, play it again, play it again, do it again. But I want to encourage you tonight that, that I want you to take Third John and just meditate it, study it, look at it, tear it apart, break it down, look at it. It's just a 90-plus-year-old apostle of the Lamb. 90-something years old. He got, this guy knows something. End of his life, end of his ministry. The Holy Ghost is talking. God's talking. The devil would talk if he could. John's talking and saying, look, guys, if I could just break this down to one thing. God put it at the end of the Bible, just one thing. If I can bring it down to one thing, I want you to prosper. And I want you to be healthy. So you can sow that. You can do good to the brethren, good to the stranger, and be fellow helper to the truth. Amen. You know, Renee got up this morning and she was talking about me and she said, just think of all the hotel bills God's paid in 55 years. Think of the, but she wasn't talking about my hotel bills. She's talking about these pastors, I pay their hotel bills. You know, my, my budgets are just astronomical to put these guys in hotels. To, I mean, I'm, I'm the first one to ever put gypsies in a hotel, you know, and, uh, and then feed them three meals a day. And I feed them good food. I don't feed them yucky food. And, and, and then, you know, take care of them and help them. Many of them need help with transportation. I help them with transportation. I mean, just astronomical. And she's saying, just think of all the, all the hotel bills the Lord's paid. Think of all the food the Lord's paid for. Think of all the airline God's paid for that, that I went and took my family or whoever. And then think of the bills that were still going on at home. You know, I mean, the office at home still has to run. Even if I'm gone somewhere, it's still got to, it's still got to work. And the, and the people we support, it's still got to, still got to have money. And the missionaries I support still got to have money. And so just, it's astronomical. It's astronomical. Well, how do I get that money? Just, I just pay tithes and give offerings. You know, I've never begged anybody, never begged God, never begged anybody. Don't take up offerings for myself. Don't cry and whine and say, oh, y'all got to, if you don't help me, I can't, I can't do it. I, no. I just, you know, I, I, we practice what we preach. We preach what we practice. Amen. And God just blessed us and blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. And over the many, many, many years, you know, we, we've determined, Jackie and I determined, and then Renee and I have determined, that we, we just want to spend our money differently. You know? Jackie and I have lived in houses where we, we, we had whole rooms with no furniture in it. I mean, for months and months, people would come in our house and say, where's the furniture? But it wasn't that we were poor and didn't have any money. We had money. It's just we chose to spend it overseas. We said, well, we could buy a dining room suit or we could, we could build a church in Mexico or we could, we could do this or we could do... You know, wouldn't we didn't have any money, so we, we chose to spend it differently. And so that's up to you how you spend your money. And, and so we, we've learned to do the same thing. You know, we're not home very often. You know, we're about to be gone a, a, a whole lot this next couple of months. It's like some other thing. We don't even need a house, you know, because we're just gone so much. But... Uh, it's not because we're poor. It's not because we don't have any money. It's just we say, well, look at all the needs. Look at all the places we could get involved. Look at all the places we could help. Look at, look, look at this stuff, you know. 
And so we, we choose to do that. And then God blesses us. God will come along and bless us and do stuff for us and give us stuff and, and so on and so forth. You know, all, most of the cars I've had over the years, God's given to me. Some partners bought it for us, you know. But, I mean, it's just been, it's been a ride with, for 55 years with the Lord uh, based, on, based on all this. And so the only reason I even preach it to you is I just want you to get it. Not because I'm trying to get an offering. It's because I want you to get it. I want this to work for you. Well, stand up with We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.